Hola, mi amigos. Hashtag millennials is back again. And we have a particularly, I would say, international episode this evening or this morning or whenever you listen to this podcast. Hey, I'm Daryl. <laughs> yes, that is Daryl. And I'm Arise <laughs> Lee. And today we're going to talk to a very special guest. Our first guest. Our, Our first true. guest for over hashtag millennials. That's true. Are this you is excited, a momentous Rize? occasion. I'm shivering. Yeah. So all of, all of like our like fives and tens of viewers. <laughs> oh, we, we have a great up, guest. We went up from two viewers to five ten. Yeah. Like or my mom be listening to <laughs> you know like, what that this is? episode a lot. So you know what that is? That's growth. Is it growth? That's growth. But <laughs> I thought you were about to say girth. But all right. <laughs> wow. Our guest this evening is Shervin. Welcome, Shervin. <laughs> hey, it's great to be here. It's the first time doing something like this, so it's super cool. Thank you for inviting me. Thank so, you for coming. Yeah, of course. You're really interesting, you know. <laughs> like, you know, if those if those Ekis, like spokesperson died, you should take over. Mm. This is why I traveled so I can be interesting. I used to be boring. <laughs> no, I'm <Yeah>. kidding. <laughs> <That's not the> <laughs> I had I was traumatized in high school because I wasn't cool anyway. I mean, were we all like just traumatized from high school? That's the podcast we're gonna have one day. How yeah. high school traumatized us? Yeah, like we like uh, tell us about high school. We were fucked. <laughs> like, <laughs> but Shervin, I think the most the most fascinating things about you is the fact that you haven't been in New York City for like the last year and a half. Yeah, so I graduated from NYU Poly or Tandon now. Last year was changed, but it'll always mm -hmm. be Poly for me. And <laughs> oh, yeah. June 2017, Street. and I left the country about two weeks later. And well, I wasn't continuously traveling the whole time, but mm -hmm. for the majority of the time, I was just traveling, exploring the world. And I came back this February after having visited 40 countries. Yeah, 40 countries. 40 countries. About a year and a half. Give me 10 of them just you know, that just impacted you. Uh, I can give you... Let's get five. five. I'll get yeah. top five. <laughs> I'll get top five. Ten. There we go. See, India, Nepal, Vietnam, Ooh. Bolivia, Peru. How many? Yeah, five. Yeah, it's five. Oh, yeah. I'm throwing Guatemala in there, too. <laughs> Guatemala is uh, somewhere in Moscow. It's it's a hit. I, I haven't heard much about Guatemala. Guatemala so is in up. South America, not Moscow. Central America, like, actually. Yeah. <laughs> Central yeah, America, Central America. America. Can oh, we get this? I didn't say a place. I said it's so, I, something I haven't heard of much. And I, it's interesting that you're bringing it up. Is that somewhere I should touch? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I really like Guatemala. It's one of the, I think it's one of the hallmarks of Central America. Mm. It really epitomizes Central American culture. And... Uh, the people are really great. Uh, a lot of great volcanoes. They call it the land of internal spring. Oh, uh, wow, it's the origin of the Mayans. So the ethnic Guatemalan people are the descendants of the Mayans. So you have a lot of amazing Mayan ruins there. There was one they discovered last year, which is this massive city. It's the size of a city. And it was just deep in the forest and no one knew about it. They found that they, they discovered it through this uh, x-ray new x-ray technology look thing. at that i think that's probably one of the reasons why it's so amazing because the tourists haven't gotten to it yet <laughs> yeah yeah those tourists, there's a man. decent amount of europeans that go there backpacking so. central america you know they could do like guatemala down to uh you go through nicaragua and honduras and then uh that's really cool okay but Let's anyway go. back to the beginning true, true. before we like sidetracked so anyway yeah Shervin, how did we meet like how did we like get to know each other from school right yeah we met at the sace conference oh yeah 2014 for all October. you like dumbasses out there <laughs> the sace conference was like this engineering conference for like asian engineers i know pretty redundant but 
they pretty much like try to help you find a job, which if you want to hear about like finding a job, look at our first podcast. <laughs> which that got me my internship for General Electric, yeah. which gave me the bulk of my money. So thank you for that. In a way, it's coming for a yeah. full circle. Yeah, because you were like, um, you were an engineering student at Poly and then you were always working and you had internships with GE like every year, you know, that was pretty cool. Yeah, so uh, that kind of was when, after a SACE conference, a little bit after when I decided to do this trip. And the reason was, in a way, I mean, I was sophomore and I'd gotten my internship and I was working in a lab at NYU Poly. So getting top grades on a 4.0 GPA, whatever, it doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> grades don't mean shit, you guys. Uh, well, it's doing, uh, proverbially, I was very successful. I was on the right mm -hmm. track, you know, have doing research, great building up that resume. I got that internship. And I was miserable. I was just, just straight up saying I was miserable. Oh, yeah. A New York story. And yeah. uh, I, I just, and for, I thought, well, that's like being an adult, you know, you're 20, like, you know, you work and then uh, you, know, you improve, you go up higher. And I, I thought that's what life's about. And, you know, working and succeeding and uh, just growing higher up the, the, the ladder, the corporate ladder, so to speak, or the engineering ladder in this case. And, but I, I, you know, I'd come home late at night and uh, like before I go to sleep at about like half an hour or so, I just flip through Instagram and look at these places around the world. And I realized I just, I really want to go to these places, but I kept thinking like, you know, the, the grind, the hustle never ends because, you know, you try, you work hard to have good grades so you can get good internship or research and then you do you work hard there so you can have a good job and then you work your job because you need to improve and then it just never ends and next thing you know you're it all goes by and you, you know you're a middle-aged person or you're just older and you know in the states we only have two weeks of holidays per year and that's essentially it's nothing you know yes, especially the, I, when you're first start off i heard yeah. those those parisians they are over there and vacation it's just yeah. left, right, and center thrown out. And and, like, and even when they're working, like, they have, like, two-hour lunches sometimes. And I'm like, yeah. what are we doing wrong? Yeah, and, like, for me, I work in a startup where we have technically unlimited vacation, but we don't use it. You don't get to you, do it. Yeah, because yeah, you just feel pressured to stay on work. Yeah, there's yeah. a pressure. You know? And, I mean, effectively, you're working more than 40 hours. So exactly. Oh, yes, yeah, so I don't think... Well, it's been a while since I've worked yeah, to those 40-hour weeks. It's not 9 to 5. Right. It's 9 it's to 6, like 7. It's like 9 to 8. Let's, eight, let's yeah. be real. And weekends, sometimes. Not always. Sometimes. And then <laughs> we have this mentality in the U.S. that, oh, like, all these things you're passionate about, you want to do, you do it when you retire, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like, when I retire, I'll buy the RV and I'll do this. When yeah, I retire, you like, just you keep hearing that. But... When you retire, you don't know what's going to happen to you next yeah. week or tomorrow. When you retire, you're, I don't know, you're in your 60s. You don't know if you have the energy anymore, to, or health to be able to do these things. Or you want different things. I, I always think, believe you should go after things you want to do now, not later, because later you're going to want different things in life. And, yeah. and you're going to regret not. Or you yeah. won't have the circumstances. If you do have the circumstances to be able to do what you want to do now, you should go after it. So... But of course, you know, everyone in the States, including myself, uh, has, has this idea, generally, most people, that travel is expensive and it's something luxurious. And But I just the more I looked into Instagram, I uh, the more I started reading some blogs or some learning more about backpacking. I had no idea what backpacking is. And I realized it's more affordable. Uh, budget traveling is a lot more affordable and doable than what people realize. I want to play with some numbers. So for me, I went to Cancun for spring break, like a lot You're of a other basic, basic Americans. I'm going to say it. I did it. It looked cool. Bitch. But when I went, I would say I did, I like did a tour of four cities. It was like Playa del Carmen and Tulum and some others. And that was like 
over a hundred dollars, and then to do all that to do a day trip. Wow. I mean, and that's what I'm saying. To me, that sounded like oh, that's like a decent deal. Da, that's da, da, a lot da, da. for me. Exactly. <laughs> that's what I'm trying to say. I feel as if what what do you think is five days? That's how much. And I think I spent, I'd say, about. Overall, I mean, it was Cancun, spring break. I did go clubs and stuff. I probably spent at least minimum $300. Like, is that, and that's not including accommodation. I'm just saying, you know, while I was there. Like, is that too much for the kind of traveling that you do? Yeah, for sure. Oh. So, well, it depends what countries you want to go to. Uh, we'll get to this later, why the cheaper countries are more fun to go to okay. at the end of the day. But uh, I always try to pick cheaper destinations, but... Mm-hmm. So you, you categorize, it, categorize it differently. But for instance, in South America, you have countries like Bolivia, Peru, mm-hmm. uh, Ecuador is a little bit more expensive. Colombia also a little bit more. But for instance, let me just throw some numbers at you guys so you know what I'm talking about. In Southeast Asia, so Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, and also Bolivia, Peru, Central America too, you're looking at what I try to spend is around $20 a day for everything. So that's food, accommodation, activities. Some days you go over a little bit, but... Other days, you you just don't do much, so you spend less. And how do you get this number? Well, let me just throw some numbers. For instance, a hostel, hostel bed, a dormitory bed, costs like between four, five, six, maximum $7 a night. And for eating, again, it just depends how you do it. So, you know, if you're in, let's say, you're in La Paz or you're in Cusco, you're going to go to Machu Picchu. Cusco is a very touristy town. So, you know, you got a lot of tourists, a lot of very nice fine dining too. But as a budget traveler, you wouldn't go there. You go there once, you know, just to taste the food. Where do you go? You want to live like the local people. So it's like anywhere else. You know, if you live in New York, you don't go eat at Times Square and bumble shrimp or whatever the hell that is. If you live in New York, is. you don't go to Times Square. <laughs> you just don't you'll go to Times Square to begin with. But what I mean is you don't go eat at yeah. nice, fancy places. Yeah. But if no. you're a tourist, you come to the city, you, know, you want to taste it. You're here for a week. You have the money. Like, fine, I save yeah. this money. I get it. But when you're traveling for long term, you want to try to live like the local people do. First of all, it's more enjoyable because you go a place where local people go and you get to interact. You feel like you have more authentic experience. You're really seeing how local people do something. And then second of all, I mean, you save a heck ton of money. And three, like the food's it's more authentic in a way. So mm. let's say, you know, you're Cusco, you go to the local market where everyone goes to eat. You can get a two-course meal, which is like a big soup, a big meaty chicken soup, and a meal of rice, uh, meat, some salad, and a drink, which is kind of unlimited. They just keep refilling your cup mm. for a dollar twenty. So for $1.20, you get a two-course meal or $1.50, let's say, something like that. And so where can I find that in New York? Yeah, <laughs> nowhere, <laughs> nowhere. <laughs> All right. So you, so again, let's say $5 for your hostel, $1.50 lunch, $1.50 dinner. So three bucks, that's $8 for lunch and dinner. Breakfast, again, at the market again, nice breakfast. Or so some hostels, they, they include breakfast. Maybe it's a little bit more, but they include breakfast. So... You're spending maybe, you could get some snacks, whatever. You're spending, what, like $10, $12 for your day-to-day living. So now you do some activities or, I don't know, you do a walking tour, a few dollars there. Or you buy some souvenirs maybe if you're into that. But what I mean is that comes out to be $20 a day, roughly. And that, now that's guys, for cheaper countries. I hope y'all took all those notes because I am I'm reevaluating my, we are my right entire now. travel life. Because <laughs> yeah. he just said twenty dollars a day, and that's like if I'm lucky, that's what I spend here a day. I can't imagine going to food. another country. <laughs> no, no, exactly, just, just food, food. Just food. Yeah. yeah. So it's like now I'm not saying the whole Oof. world is like that. You know, you have oh, countries sure, that are more sure, expensive. Sure. In Western Europe, you're realistically spending like fifty, yeah. sixty dollars a day, maybe. Oh. Uh, 
and then but there's ways but to there do that are, cheaper. That there are options. Yeah. There are options. There. You know, if you just have to have this mentality of you have to live like a local people lives in those countries. You know, if you're living there, you're making three hundred dollars a month. You're not going to that restaurant where it costs five six dollars a meal. You, you're everyone's going to the market, so you do or going around the city. So you're in Cusco or you're in I don't know Mexico City. Let's say Mexico City and. Everyone takes a taxi, you know, everyone, all the tourists, they take a taxi. I want to go visit this, go visit there. It's a big city, you know, you want to get around, but I take the metro. It costs like, I don't know, 20 cents, 25 cents, I think, a ride, a metro and, and something like that in Mexico City. And because you take a metro back home, you don't take it in New York City. You want to take a taxi, go everywhere. So why is it any different when you're abroad traveling? Why would you... Yes, relatively speaking, it's cheaper. I think it's the, I think you touched on it. Change your mindset. Yeah, it's the mindset. That's that's something everyone should take away from this. Like when you're going to be a tourist, save money by not thinking like a tourist. I'm. It's uh, that's what I'm going to go going forward. That should be like our hashtag. Right now. <laughs> Before we get into that, uh-huh. I'm, I'm, there's one thing that I'm really more fascinated about. Like, what did you? What do you do for money? Or like when you first started, like you graduated and you, you traveled the world. Did you have like something of like a cash flow beforehand? Do you have some savings that you used up? What was the money before the travel money? Yeah, exactly. Mm. I mean, because I think that's what makes people like nervous about like mm. having money. When I started, most of my money was just money I'd saved from back home. And Mm. I just, again, it's all that mentality. You have to get into that saving mentality because uh, if you're just living a daily life here, you know, you go out to work and you go lunch with your coworkers, you know, you drop 15 bucks on lunch and, you know, it's cool. You know, you go out with your coworkers, it's normal. But if you have that mentality that I'm saving for a trip, then, you know, like when I used to work at GE or when I was here just at school and the guys would want to go out to eat, I, I always brought food from home. Like for the last, when I got into the mentality, I want to save for this trip for two years, I, I, I almost never ate out. Yeah, maybe on the weekends, like once a month, once every two months or something. But I never bought anything outside. I always... Like I would, uh, you know, everyone says, all right, I'll go grab a cup of coffee from the cafeteria, like two bucks. It's like, no, I'm not going to spend that because everything adds up. You know, you feel like it's not much, but it all accrues over time. And so just having that mentality of saving money and eating, uh, cooking your own meals every day, it just, it saves you so much money. You know, you look at, uh, look at your bill every month and look at how much money you spend on food, on lunch, or eating out. And it's it's substantial. You know, it's maybe 200, 300 bucks a month, uh, at least or yeah, something easily. like that. Easily. And you're, we're talking about Southeast Asia, let's say we're on a budget of $20 a day. You only, with $600, you can travel for a month more or less. So $600 is a month worth of travel. You know, you just have to have that mentality of what am, how much am I losing by spending 15 bucks on lunch right now. So basically yeah. you're saying I've missed out on five months worth of trips because of Chipotle. Basically. Damn. Mm-hmm. Mm. God damn Chipotle. Cilantro rice. Chipotle. So you're know, having that mentality Without to start off with. Uh, oh, oh. oh my God. <laughs> with the guac. With the guac. Forget the guac. about it. We just included Europe. Uh, yeah. <laughs> or, you know, you go to Starbucks here and mm. everyone's like, oh, I'll get that to like triple. Again, like I'm not saying don't spend anything. You gotta yeah. eat. Mm-hmm. But you just have to have that mentality. Like, don't go get a triple mocha frappe macchia, macchino, whatever the hell that is. Mm-hmm. Get the basic coffee for uh, for a dollar if you know if you need your coffee. Or what I would do is I buy like a bag of Ziploc uh, tea bags and Lipton and put it in my locker and just get water from the sink and you know that was my tea or yeah. my caffeine. So you built up your savings by immediately first you know budgeting. And another big thing is uh, one of the great things we have in the U.S. is travel credit cards and what we call mm. travel hacking in the in, in our 
business or our neck of the woods or that's the word for it the points and, i yeah, like points. that you touch on that because we touched on that in our in our previous podcast yeah. how to and travel. let me just drop this uh, just, i've saved maybe let's say over four thousand dollars on flights just from wow. travel hacking and it's it, it's i mean people are afraid of credit cards because they don't know how to manage and you think yeah uh, because we have this Consumer. mentality of this consumer mentality in the u.s you know you just spend more and you get this if you spend more and it's a game so but if you know how to play the game then you can win but the great thing like if just to give an example for instance like you open american airline credit card and it says if you spend a thousand in three months you get thirty thousand points now there's there's also tricks you can use to manufacture spend that money and that's more advanced uh you can just look up travel hacking but you know okay thousand three months for someone who's working and it's not too much you know and there's you can there's ways you can use your credit card to buy a check there's a website to pay your rent so even you can pay your rent with the credit card <laughs> but okay so you get a thousand three months you get thirty thousand points so that is equivalent to about 500 bucks that's a one-way flight from new york to london that's what i use mine for so just like that you send you, you save 500 bucks it's if save uh, my ass so many times just the points i went to india to australia save 600 bucks there australia to vietnam again just points points uh, I had an Excel sheet. I was up to how many credit cards did I have? I was up to like 18 credit cards, I think. I mean, <laughs> opening and closing them. And then Damn. you have some credit cards that give you a uh, statement credit. So it says like spend 500 in three months and we'll give you $200 cash back. Okay, I wanted to buy a camera. Perfect. You know, I buy the camera. Five, it was like 600 bucks. And just like that, the camera was only 400 bucks. <laughs> so what do I need? What's a rough estimate of how much money I need to start? Because, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I know people listen to this podcast, they're millennials, they have their jobs, and they're thinking about this remote lifestyle, getting into it. I know travel blogging is becoming much, much more popular. What do you say they need to save, and what is their expectation going in? I mean, it depends where you were in the world you want to go. So That's true. If Let you me, wanted, let's, let's, yeah. let's choose a country, Daryl. Uh, let's say... Nothing too wild. Something, something people can feel, vibe with. Thailand's a big expat. Okay. Yeah, Thailand. yeah Thailand. Thailand. That's, That's true. Thailand, yeah. Again, Thailand, you're spending like around $20 a day, roughly, give or take. Maybe like so I need to save $1,000 and then I'm good? I'd have a little bit more, a few thousand, okay. like, say, let's say, thousand. just to be on the safe side. But yeah, okay. like, you can do a three-month trip in, in Southeast Asia with 3000 easy and have money left over. And then, yeah, you want to be able to get two credit cards so you can fly there for free, fly back for free, let's say. And then... Yeah, with that, you can head over there. And then what do I do if I, with the travel blogging? Do I just start up a website or do I try to build through Twitter or what, what are the you tips? You do whatever or, the hell you want. That's what you do. Or should I build up my collection of like information, reports, pictures, and then try to do that for like maybe three months and then come out with it? Everyone's a bit different, but to be fair, to be quite frank, yeah, the barrier to entry for blogging is very difficult nowadays, or even vlogging. There's just so many people doing it. There's a lot of blogs. The It's difficult to monetize off a of blog so much. Yeah, you might get some stream of income, but it wouldn't mm. be substantial. I think a lot of the successful, really famous bloggers, yeah, they started, like, let's say Nomadic Mad. He started in 2009, 2010. That's when people were just starting off and they had the commitment and you know they were able to build up their blog and i mean now it's i mean he writes books too so now he's i think in the close to millions and probably in terms mm. of revenue and stuff vlogging it's still easier to monetize of course that you know it takes a lot of effort and practice as and the a equipment whole, equipment you, know? you need to have i mean you build it up slowly but 
I think a lot of people they uh, they they have their income from other thing sources when they first start off if they're trying to uh, make a living off of uh, off of uh, blogging or you know traveling. For me, it was different. For me, it was just my 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 passion was journalism and writing, so I tried to get into that. And again. I don't make substantial money from it. Like I wouldn't be able to live here, obviously. But if, <laughs> but the thing is, like you know, if you're writing two articles a month, then I can make ends meet in other countries. So it, it works in a way. Trust me, we are barely able to live here. Yeah, um, we, yeah, and uh, we make somewhat of a decent. But job. there's different. Even so, let's say someone you know doesn't want to get into those things or doesn't have the capital built up, but they just want to travel. Yeah, there's different options too. You have a lot of. Um, there's a website called Workaway, and basically the thing is they show you volunteering positions, everything from farming to teaching English to someone's kids and you get to go and live in these countries and you know experience it like a local and you know maybe you can have some side jobs save some money like that too and you know where so I know or a lot of people become English teachers they they Korea is very lucrative you can go teach English there they, there's always a big demand in South Korea and Seoul and they pay very well they even pay for your flight they pay they give you housing a lot of times and and there's a big American expat community in Seoul that just but goes I'm there. But I'm a little concerned. You're saying all these countries, but are all these countries English friendly? I feel as if I'm going to go there and then I'm going to be walking, rocking, rocking, and I'll eventually be lost and no one will understand me. Yeah. Like, and am like I wrong? My, am I right? And my like perception is like if you're going to a country to teach English, there has to be like, you have to be able to know the like the language a little bit to be able to effectively communicate, right? Yes and no. So, uh, a lot of them, they just want for conversation. They, oh, want, okay. they want you go there, be able to practice conversation with them. And it's not like they know zero English. And also, I mean, a lot of these language exchanges, the mentality is uh, if you, you know, if you want to learn Spanish, let's say you go to Antigua, Guatemala is a big place to learn Spanish. It's super cheap. It's like you get one-on-one -on -one sessions, uh, 20 hours a week for $90 or something roughly. Mm. Super, super cheap. And a lot of times the instructor speaks no English or just a few words. And it's just, it's very difficult at first. It's very grinding, but that's how you, you, you get the you wheel learn. turning. That's how you get the wheel turning. So, yeah. But in terms of uh, language barriers, it's a lot less than people think. Or you, how do I put it this way? You need a lot less English to be able to communicate with people. Or just, you know, we always read that like uh, body language is actually like 70% or something, a very high percentage of how we communicate. And that's very tangible when you speak to someone who doesn't speak English so well, but you kind of have this connection and this friendship that can still be fostered you know, despite the language barrier. I should know that because I'm from the Caribbean. And it's funny you said Antigua because I'm from the island Antigua. Oh, the island but Antigua. I know that Guatemala has they yeah, a city named a Antigua. Town, yeah. And when I'm like sometimes looking up forms or doing something online and I'm typing in Antigua, I see Guatemala pop out. I'm like, wrong one, not this one. <laughs> but I should understand what you mean by body language because the Caribbean is one of the most expressive places in the world and nobody can say a word without their hands waving. So I feel that. I feel that on a, on a level. And then thing is so a lot of times the places people travel to you know like uh places that are very that have a lot a lot of tourism thailand uh you know southeast asia or the big major cities in europe as well i mean europe's different or i mean the people who interact with tourists they all learn english because it's their business so they need to know they learn english so they can communicate with tourists if they're trying like if they have a shop or sell food or they sell tours or something uh so they all speak good english yeah if you go somewhere very off the beaten path then it's gonna be it's gonna be a little bit harder, but nowadays we live in a world of technology. You have apps. You have Google Translate. I've had in Turkey in a small town. I had like an hour and a half conversation with someone just Google Translate. And sure, you some things are lost in translation uh, through the app, but 
you still get enough across so to have when that you say connection. Google Translate, is that like you're typing or you're using the yeah. voice one? I I type because the voice is is hit and miss. Um, you need to speak slow and. One time on a bus, I had this. I tried it with this Ukrainian grandmother, and she thought she could speak <laughs> for ten minutes into the phone and translate. <laughs> oh, so if they're a little bit tech oriented, then they'll speak slowly and stuff. But typing is just a lot more uh, safe and okay. And like, so that's a really interesting story. I'm that you've had like with like using technology to be able to like converse with other people. Do you have any more like crazy ass stories that they don't tell you about like full time traveling? Because I feel like people keep it safe with what they say. You know, like they just tell you all the good, but what are the bads uh, from your experiences? The bad stuff. Well, the the loneliness, I think, it's the biggest factor. People don't realize how much, how much uh, that hits you. But it's just, it's. I always describe it like it's it's living life to the fullest in a way when you travel because everything's amped up, all the emotions, all the because you're you're experiencing it solo in a way. That's cool because I actually do like traveling solo. I haven't done it too 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 much, but I did a little European tour and it was solo and I. Get what you're but, saying. It but was I think the difference really between his was his point of view with mm-hmm. your point of view is that his mm-hmm. is full time. You know, like that's what he does, and it your yours was just like you know I'm here for a short time. So it definitely yeah. intensified. Yeah. But you get all of it on you. There's no one else. Like I was walking through Amsterdam, you know, alone, and it kind of it kind of different on. from now. Like it, you're right, you're right, but. It, I I get it to a degree, but I and I think I wouldn't be able to do three months, and so you are well, way up there. Well, everyone says that, but so when I started, I w- I was miserable the first few days. <laughs> <laughs> I, like obviously, you want everyone's amped up for you, everyone's excited, and you want to like them. You don't want to tell them you're sad, and you're like, oh, this is I'm, I'm I'm so sad, and like I I'm not enjoying it. But I think it's like anything else in life. That's that's what I'll tell people. Like I mean, maybe everyone's a bit different, but when you start a new job, the first week is always the hardest, right? When you mm-hmm. start school, the first week is always the hardest. And this is a very big undertaking, let's be honest, you know? Like leaving knowing you don't know when you'll come back or you come back in a few months to home and you're leaving all that familiarity behind you. So yeah, the first few days are you're alone. You don't, you feel like you don't really enjoy things as much as you should, or there's just the difficulty of always packing your bag every few days and changing places and looking up buses and going different places. and. It's very difficult. I think people sometimes don't realize uh, how difficult it can be when you first start off. But the thing, the wonderful thing about this type of lifestyle or doing this is, I, first of all, I recommend anyone to, to do it at least once, a, a three-month-long backpacking trip, because there's three aspects that I think you benefit from a lot. First one, just you learn a lot. You learn from, you meet so many different people. You learn about cultures. You learn about countries. Um you learn about world, you know, where they live and how, how it's life is from there, especially when you don't go to Western first world countries, when you go somewhere, you know, if you're a village in Peru with, with a person whose monthly income is 200 bucks, there's a lot. And the second aspect is you, you grow a lot yourself. You really, because you're all on your own, you know, you make your own decisions, you benefit from good decisions. If you, you know, if you don't plan things well, or just being able to interact with people, you know, it's tough. A lot of times you, you're in countries where they try to hustle you, you're it's scams or just uh, figuring out buses, things in different languages. It's challenging. And you grow a lot. I used to be someone when I was in high school, like extremely timid, Everything would unnerve me. Really, extremely uh, what we call it, like a socially anxious person, introvert, and super introverted. Uh, if Anxiety. You, if you took me to like, a, I remember one time my cousin's like, "Oh, like come to my party with my." It was just her family members. I was so nervous, 
And then now I'm someone who, like, uh, it's 2 a.m. I'm on, I'm on the border of Ecuador and Peru, and I'm bargaining with these like sketchy illegal uh, dealers over the price of the dollar versus the peso, and, <laughs> and I'm like confidently with my broken Spanish bargaining with them. Or I was in this bar in this like dangerous part of uh, Iquitos, the town in Peru, with these three guys, and they're like, "Oh, we're drug dealers. We sell drugs." And like, you want to come party with us? Like, yes, like, yes, I will <laughs> come party with you. <laughs> To or, be honest, or I'm like, I'm, no. or like uh, in, in the souks of Morocco, I'm bargaining with the guy so hard where he's like, you bargain like a Moroccan, like good for you. I'm like, yes, that feels so good. <laughs> we need to record your travels. I feel yeah. like this is a sitcom, like we, we million need, dollar we sitcom. We need your videos building. and blogging. So, but I'm saying this is the growth uh, you, you get because you're just exposed, you know, you're... you're you become cultured. You, yeah. Well, just just you're, you're you're out of your comfort zone. You know, mm -hmm. when you travel, especially if you're like properly traveling, you're exposed. You're out of your comfort zone, so you're forced to grow. Whereas if you're at home, you fall into that routine. You know, everything follows a routine, so you're you don't grow. And also, just the third aspect is just the internal growth, like getting to know yourself better. It sounds really corny. It's like the eat, pray, love sort of thing, but it's it's very true. Um, Great book, terrible and, movie. And, and <laughs> <laughs> I love the book. Uh, when the more you travel and you you know, meet people, you, in a way you're reflecting on yourself too. And you open up more because you're alone or just all the alone time you have and meeting people who come from so many different backgrounds. It, it really helps you grow on the inside too. know what type of person you are, what type of person you want to be. So there's a lot of internal growth or self learning that comes with it too. So that's the, the three aspects I think you know, everyone should budget travel. I think that's really beautiful. Mm -hmm. I mean, um, you've hit like a lot of dots that I feel like when people who travel full time or who travel long term, they feel the same way, the same sentiment. Another aspect is like, uh, th this is a quote that I heard from someone, people who travel long term, they, they bef like before they traveled, they felt something that was missing in their life and that traveling pretty much fulfilled that what was missing. Do you feel that way? Do you feel like it has pretty much helped you feel more fulfilled in your life? For me, yes, but I don't think for everyone. Yes. Um, I have, I think six months is a threshold after which it becomes a lifestyle as opposed to just something you know you wanna do in your life. I have friends where they've done uh, maybe a year trip or a six months trip and, and now they're back in their career and their life and it's just something they really want to do. They want to go backpack in South America or Southeast Asia, but now they're back to their life. For me, yeah, I always felt just, I felt like I was like not wasting my life, but not living it fully or not living it the way, because this is my passion. This is what I love to do. I yeah. love to travel. And this is when I feel the most fulfilled when I'm in some weird new situation and I'm meeting people and I'm just, it's, it's, it's fun and exhilarating. I feel alive. So for me, yeah, this is, I felt like before something was missing. But it's not the case for everyone, you know. You don't have to have have that like uh, uh, into the wild spirit to think I'm not that person. You know, you can be a very they ended up normal. Dead, so well, <laughs> you can be a normal died. person. You, you know, if you're thinking, oh, I'm not like him. I'm not. I'm a normal person. Still, you know, if they you want to do it, it you should do it. You should be like, you know, what? I'm gonna do a month in Germany and Belgium. And then the two years later, you say, now I want to do five months. Yeah. So far, so far. You it's don't just have something, to you know, you do. go off. I think it's just something if you, th I think it's really cool. And I think most people agree it's very cool. So it's worth trying, you know, if you. Yeah, yeah I agree. I, I, I'm not saying that should be your lifestyle, go full nomadic or whatever. But, you know, but I'm always uh, a proponent of trying something. And yeah. if it's not for you, then, you know, you don't do it. I had a friend I met last year and I mean, she was 18. So she was after high school in Australia and uh, she was like wondering if she should go pursue her music career or she should keep traveling. She had the money to do it a bit. And, um, 
I told her like, you know, try it. And you know, if it's not for you, you don't feel fulfilled doing this. So you feel like you want to go back and pursue your music, then do that. And that's what she ultimately ended up doing. She went, she traveled a bit for like a month or a few weeks and she just felt like, no, her calling was somewhere else. So, you know, she went back to Germany and her start her um, music uh, studies in university and you know that was for but this is I mean for if someone has you know, a job and they have something they're doing and they're just considering doing a backpacking trip it, it doesn't have to be a complete switch of career or life you know you can do this and then you come back and you know you just you start off but I'm just saying if you feel like you want to do it now you should do it now while you're you know you're young or whatever age you are you should do it but another difficulty I'm thinking about though is how do you keep your connections to America for example you are still an American citizen, so you have to do your taxes. We don't know you that. Have to, <laughs> we don't know that. You have to get visas when you're going. You have to come here. Your Where does your mail go? You know, do you still have bills? Like all of the, like I'm or, trying to or say. Or another one, student mm, loans. That's a really good one. Loans. Yeah. All Like how do you keep that attachment? I feel like that's a, a hurdle I'm trying to understand. Mm. Well, it helps if you have parents. <laughs> 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 no, but well, okay. first of all, I mean, a lot of stuff is online. You know, you can you pay your bills online. You know, everything's e-bills and you, credit cards. I mean, I, I I was when I left, I had seven bank accounts and sixteen credit cards. So if I can manage that abroad, then I'm pretty sure you know you can <laughs> you can manage other stuff. Uh, yeah, you know the bills. Uh, those stuff is just online. You can manage taxes. There's there's so much information. If you're living abroad, there's information about like expat tax. How do you do your taxes as, as an expat living abroad? Uh, student loans. I try. That's a big one. Yeah, I, that's a big one. Well, I, I look at student loans as something that's going to be with you for the rest of your life. So, <laughs> so I, I would when I was away, I was Not like, alone. okay, this is my income. Dot dot, and then I managed to defer it for a year. So it's okay. And then, uh, and then I tried to when I was paying it, I was paying like the minimum. So it was like 160 a month or something like that. I was just trying to get that to the minimum. There's really no good answers for the student loan one, but aside from, well. It it's shouldn't stop you. It shouldn't from, stop you. Yeah. It's something that's there. It's going to be with you for many years to come. I, I, if you're going to wait until that clears up, there's always there's always something to stop you from traveling. Let's put it that way, you know. But the fact of the matter is, the the more the older you get, not just older, but the more you go along in life, as more life happens, the more things you'll have that are rooting you down. You know, like right now, let's say you know, a couple of years you graduate from college, you have an apartment, you have a job, maybe you have a car if you live outside the city. Um, that's about it. You know, you don't have, you're not paying down mortgage on a house. You're not, you don't have kids, God forbid. <laughs> well, I mean, if you want kids, obviously. You know. uh, yeah, so you, God forbid. God <laughs> forbid. I mean, there are no you know, objections here. You know, but the older you get in life, the more responsibilities you're going to have, the more, or maybe let's say you'll have a nice position or a job where you feel like it's a shame. If I quit, I'm going to lose this. So I think the, the, you just have more things that root you down. So the sooner you do this, if you really want to do that, it's just the easier it is to just uproot and leave and then come back and start again. You know, maybe if you're older, maybe if you're mid to late thirties, you'll feel like I'm, I'm too settled in. It's, it's too late for me to want to just uh, and It makes come sense because you have obligations. I mean, I do have friends. Yeah. Then I have a really good friend and she, ha she was making six digits fi financial, working in finance, owns like two apartments. And she budget travels like she is one of Damn. the thriftiest, cheapest travelers I've ever met, and, and she's, she's amazing. Single. 
Yes. Oh, okay. <laughs> so, uh, we're talking after this. <laughs> oh I got dips on. You, don't, <laughs> oh, you do what? not have a chance. Get the fuck out of here. So, she's tra- so she started traveling when she was 35 and now she's 41. And she's been for six years straight, she's been traveling. Age is just a number. It really is. <laughs> and I mean, she's very, uh, but she just, she and she always said, I wish I'd done this earlier. That's like, that's the thing yeah. that she always just says. I wish I'd started earlier. I wish I knew about this earlier. Just, that's what she says. Uh, relationships though like let's say you want to travel but your partner doesn't how would how would that navigate or work well on a broader perspective if you're in a relationship it's done it's over (laughs) no i mean it doesn't have to be traveling isn't the only thing that causes a rift in that sense you know and when you're in a relationship you still have your personal goals your personal aspirations and they don't always align with what your partner wants. So in that case, it, obviously it's a lot harder when you're younger because you know you, you really want to chase your individual dreams and passions. Um, but I've met I've met couples who I've, I've met solo travelers who who've been in a relationship and they've been traveling for a few months and it's just something they always want to do and they come to terms with, the, with their partner somehow or maybe they travel for a couple months and then they meet their partner somewhere and they travel together for a bit too. But I, I, um, and other people, yeah, they've broken up and traveled too. And they've, or I met one girl and she just, uh, she was engaged and she that broke wow. up. And then so she just left and traveled. And, um, but I she think probably find a hot man. In she's, she's probably out there hoeing. It's <laughs> <Exactly. laughs> so like, you go, girl. Oh, yeah, you go. Yeah, she's doing good. Got a hunk from Hungary. <laughs> just saying. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think uh, if it's going to sound corny, but. If you really love the other person, if two people love each other, then they respect each other's personal desires. And, you know, if, if and it happens and it doesn't, it, traveling isn't just the biggest thing that causes these rifts too. Let's say, you know, you're here and one person has this great job opportunity out in San Francisco or just somewhere a little bit away and they really want to pursue it. And the other person has a job here. So, you know, these conflicts come up well, regardless. Obviously life they too. can't go. Yeah. <laughs> End of discussion. <laughs> there we go. No one will ever do that for you, Rizé. No, I'm just being hypothetical. But it's different if you just want to like leave forever and you're like, I just want to, like, then yeah, you break up and, you know. Uh, but I think at the end of the day, you have to. Communication. The priority is you. I mean, I mean, communication. But I think at the end of the day, if you don't do the things, if you don't try the things you want to do, then you're going to regret it. Uh, just one example I had a friend, at least we interned together, and his dream was to like go to Paris or somewhere, or somewhere in France and just do a, like a study abroad there. And practice his French. He loves French. He just, he just, it was his dream. Is it, am I the friend? Because I love French. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying. He could be too. But French is shit, Arise. I'm just going to say okay, that out okay. there. Practice okay. more. Vrai, which is French for true. <laughs> <laughs> but his mm-hmm. girlfriend uh, didn't want to because she just, uh, she didn't speak French. She wasn't English interested. She just, uh, she just wasn't into that. And uh, they're, they're like a very needy couple. They're always like, they're, I swear they're like always together anyway. Mm. But That's disgusting. <laughs> so after he graduated, he he did like a three week program. So it was only three weeks, which seemed like a lot for them. But anyway, so he went to he was in Paris for a couple of weeks and somewhere else. And I met him in Paris, and he's like, and I said, "Oh, you loving it? Like, how, how's it going for you?" And he said, "Oh, um, I'm I'm going back in two days." I'm like, "What? No, you have another week and a half left of your program." He's like, "It's not for me. Like, I miss her. I want to go back." <laughs> Well, I was like, fuck you, you're lame and you're pathetic. <laughs> that was what that was my reaction. But 
Yo, same. I but the difference between you, you like you keep that to yourself and you're like respectful. But I was like, no, you piece of shit. Like, no, I told him. You <laughs> should have no, done he that. Said it. Oh, he said he went no, off. I, I went off on him. I am so proud of you right now, Shervin. This <laughs> but, is amazing. But the moral of the story is that he tried it, he did it, and yeah, and then he went back and they're engaged now. So. <laughs> Okay, well, we fuck love them, a happy ending. So. <laughs> <laughs> but but what I mean is, he, like he, you always regret the things you don't do because you don't know how it, it would have ended up. But if you do it, if it's not for you, then okay, you tried it. You know, you know, you have no regrets. That that's beautiful. I think I want to steal that for the hashtag of the show. Hashtag ignore your girlfriends and go. Yeah, to we're Paris. not done yet, so <laughs> you keep the hashtag a little little later at the end. Or right? or or like we could do it now and like save the energy. I'm just saying. But like, okay, I think another really important question that maybe I want to like end it off with, like, what's your end goal or what do you see your future? Because like a lot of people I see who travel full time, they, I just want to know, like, is this like, are you going to do that like forever or what, what's like, what's the after or is that the life now? For now? Yes. I think, well, let me just do a little prequel. Uh, in the states, especially in the states, I guess everywhere, but especially in the states, we have this idea that you need to be at a certain point in life at a certain age. Mm-hmm. Uh, one thing I learned traveling, just meeting other people who've up uproot their life and doing other things, is it's completely un- untrue. You don't have to be at any point in your life at. I mean, you don't have to be at a certain point in life at any certain age. You can change it whenever you want. Like we have this idea like, okay, you have to you graduate by 22, whatever, 21, 22. By 25, you should have like a stable point in your career, maybe a, a good relationship or something. And then, yeah, you just you ha- hit these milestones. But it's boring to be honest. I mean, not for everyone, but it could be. And if you're happy in the moment, the most important thing is if you're happy doing what you're doing. So if someone's happy doing research, doing their PhD, you know, like working six days a week, then that's what makes them happy then good for me um yeah traveling just i i don't the wanderlust doesn't run out for me like you know i'm excited about new locations and uh i want to work on the writing more be able to like be able to sustain myself and monetize it more and be able to work on that like becoming a travel writer a full-time travel writer so that's my goal and goal but but yeah, for now, just, you know, there's so many more countries. I want The more I travel, the more places I want to go or go back to some places I've been. And that's what it is for me. And that's really cool. Where are you going after? So after this, next month, I'm going to Guatemala. I have a couple well, ideas for articles I want to do there. And then I'll be back. I'll be back in New York till summer. And then next up, I want to go through the Middle East. I want to do a... I go through Saudi Arabia, maybe uh, Iraq, Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, around those places. And where can people find you in these articles? Well, I I write for, I've done a few articles for BBC Travel, um, Roads and Kingdoms. I've done well, I, I, I one spending kind of. Want to do a blog? I always keep thinking about it. Just, you should just, do. Just, we'll some bring you back. Myself, and, yeah. Some future episodes, and you'll <laughs> let us know. But I have my Instagram. Uh, I have my Instagram page. Yeah, where can we find you on Instagram? Uh, well, Shout out! I, I'm changing the name, but it's, for now it's called Roaming Engine Nerd <laughs> because engineer was taken, so I made engine nerd. I think it's yeah, so perfect. It's, that it's called Roaming Engine you. Nerd. And yeah, it's a perfect, quick description right there, right there. You don't. Have to yeah, so that's my lot. Instagram. Usually, if I post, I try to do a lengthy, like descriptive little caption about the place or you know, what uh, what I saw, what I visited, or uh, a little bit more like a photojournalism thing rather than just you know cute scenic pictures. 
Okay. I mean, first of all, I just want to say thank you, Shervin, for being our first guest. It's crazy. And all these, like, you're making us feel like the wonderless right now. Just, we just like shut up and go and just travel the world. But like, all these insightful thoughts, though, like, it's making us really. Yeah, I'm 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 gonna quit my job. That's it. I'm just gonna go in tomorrow. <laughs> Do Actually, it. <laughs> no, today's Friday. So Monday, I'm quitting. I really appreciated all the enlightenment that you gave me on I really like the breakdown of spending abroad and how much cheap it can be. And then you gave us some facts and figures and all this like these are things that I haven't heard much about i see the glitz and glam travels i see the hotels i see the this i see the parties and that's where i'm geared to but there's like this other side that that is so much more local and so much more intimate yeah i like that it's real thank you yeah yeah no it's true i mean i mean at the end of the day it's about doing what makes you happy i think in life and it doesn't need at any age you can do that i think at any age if you i mean in general sure maybe have family obligations but if traveling makes you happier, feel like this is something you want to do. I'm just saying, you know, there's many ways to do it and it can be affordable and you should try it. You know, if you feel like that makes you happy and it doesn't matter how old you are, or, you know, what position you are and you can harder, easier, but it's possible and it's a lot cheaper than what we think usually. It's beautiful. So what's our end of the day hashtag, are we saying? No, I already did the hashtag. It's done. Uh, you could do it again. It's complete. Uh, all right, fine. I guess no one knows what it is. Okay, bye guys. (laughs) (laughs) See ya.